we're going to be closing out the, the letter to the Philippians. And the, the, the topic we're going to get into is contentment or being content. We're going to zero in on that as we look at this passage. The question I start with is, what if you lost it all? If in one fell swoop, like uh, Randolph and Mortimer Duke, you lost everything and end up in, in dire poverty, everything you had accumulated. What if, you know, you lost your house, your income, your, um, you know, your savings, everything you've accumulated, and you had to live in a van down by the river? Could you, in that case, could you still be happy? Right. Could you be content if you lost all the things that we kind of rely on to make us feel happy? And, and I, I recognize I may be saying that maybe that's your situation or maybe it's been your situation at, at some point where, where you were you know, relying on, you didn't have much and you were just barely getting by. Um, is it possible that actually if you did, you'd actually even be happier? I know poverty can be miserable, and, and I certainly don't want to romanticize it. But, but the thing I want you really to think about is, do you need the abundance that you have to be content? That is a question that jumps out to me out of this section, especially verses 11 to 12. And I really want, I want to zero in on that question, but I want to come to it at the end. I want to talk about the, the passage as a whole because there are some other things going on. In fact, I think we learn a lot in this passage about Paul's situation and the Philippians and why even the letter was sent. So looking at the, the letter as a whole, we really find out it is a thank you letter from a missionary back to his sending church. Right. Paul is, is saying, thank you for, you know, renewing your concern. So verse 10, you know, you've renewed your concern for me. In other words, you have sent help to me in my, my work. And so he's expressing appreciation for that financial support. I want to, as we go through this, I want to ask this question. Why do Christians give away so much money? And we do. Believers in Christ give away a lot of money. It doesn't really get acknowledged. In the world. And I'm not, I'm not talking about giving to political parties or giving to social agencies so much, or even giving to the church. Christians, when you look at the numbers, give to all sorts of needs and work out there. And in fact, churches sometimes give as a whole. So we're going to talk about all this. And the question is, why? Why do we give? And I think each section will give us a different reason. The first one, verses 14 to 16, we give to see the message of the gospel advance in the world. So, so Paul writes, you know, I rejoice greatly how you've renewed your concern for me, uh, renewed your concern for me. That's in verse 10, verse 14. It was kind of you to share my trouble and you Philippians, you yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only realize I should have put a map on the screen. That would be helpful. So background, Philippi, the city of Philippi is in Macedonia. The, the capital of Macedonia, the region in the Roman Empire, this is all part of the Roman Empire, is Thessalonica, or I think 
Kate said it better, Thessalonica. So Thessalonica is the, the key city. So Paul had gone to Philippi and brought the gospel there. They believed. The church got started. And then when he left there, they supported him in taking then the, the gospel message to the next city, to the big city. Be like going from Schenectady to Albany, right? So Paul then took, um, the, when his team went into Thessalonica, and they were the first ones, the only ones, who were giving to him. You know, your partnership with me in giving. They were the only church that were, was enabling him to do that. And why? Is because they had experienced the power of the gospel, and now they were serving to advance the gospel. Why do Christians give? Because we want to see the faith in Jesus Christ be spread to more and more people. That's part of our, our story. At East Glenville... We take seriously our, our part in doing that. We, this church has a long history of supporting, encouraging, sending out missionaries and sending money, finances, to help them do the work that they're doing. We have a, a decently long list of missionaries we are currently supporting and you know, ones we give to every year. There's a process of becoming an an ongoing supported missionary. So we have a mission board who works through and makes sure, hey, is this someone we want to take on that we will continue to send support? We also sometimes give to people, on, you know, in a year-by-year case. The, we, we have, we, it says Hall of Missions. We put in coffee tables and stuff, and now the coffee's there. So it's sometimes Missions Cafe. Like, we have a whole spot. There's pictures over there and a map and, and other information about the missionaries we support. On the screen, I, I, one of those things that, of God, like, I didn't realize the missionary we were praying for today is Matt Pascal, but I, I just sort of picked his picture out because I, I had his picture. So he's serving in Budapest, but he's working with refugees in Europe to, to, to promote the gospel there. So that's, that's a part of what we do here because we want to see the gospel advance throughout the world. A second reason that Christians give, give to other causes, is we give from a desire to glorify Christ, honor God, and bless others. Right? We want to honor God with our, our giving, and we want to we see Christ glorified, and we just want to bless the people who we know God is leading us to that. So, so in verse 17, Paul is saying, Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit, I have received full payment, and more, I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an, a, an acceptable sacrifice, and they are pleasing to God. Right? So the, the gifts that he had received, he's, those three things, a fragrant offering, they, they, they honor God, and they, they glorify Christ and in how, just the, the air of them. They are a, an acceptable sacrifice. Paul knows that they had sacrificed to make that gift to him, that they had they dug deep, and it had cost them something. And that's something that God receives. They're honoring God with that. And, it, and it's pleasing to God, even as it blessed him. So I love how he starts off saying, hey, just to make clear, I don't need more money. I don't know if you support any groups or missionaries, they'll say, thank you for your gift. They'll almost always say, and here's where, you know, you can send your next gift. Like missionaries and, and groups and agencies, they're all, I've never, they, I've never really heard them say, I don't send any more money, please. I have enough. 
But that's what Paul's saying here. Like, I'm well supplied. You guys, hey, thanks. Don't, please don't send any more. Um, and then he talks about how they had given. He says they had given through Epaphroditus. Right? It's not like the, the Christians in Philippi could have sent, because Paul was in Rome, and the situation is Paul was under guard in Rome. He actually was not going from city to city anymore because he had been arrested. And he was due to face the tribunal of Caesar. And he's not in prison. He's under house arrest, under guard by a, a Roman soldier. But in the, that, the way they handled it in, in the Roman Empire is you had to provide for yourself, right? No one's going to give you food. So unless someone had sent help for him, Paul would be kind of stuck. And so that's what they do. They send support. They send it through Epaphroditus, one of the Philippians goes to Paul. Earlier, we had talked about the situation. Epaphroditus uh, had, you know, he had brought the money from the Philippians, helped out Paul. Then he had taken ill and nearly died. And Paul says, thank you for sending Epaphroditus. I'm sending him back because I'd, I'd hate to see him die, you know. So, but, but he did his job, give, give honor to him. And that's the situation. So th- this gift that, that was key was enabling Paul, it blessed him in that difficult time. At East Glenville, when we give as a church, I talked about we we have missionaries that we support. Our budget is, I like rough numbers, roughly 400,000. Out of that budget, we budget 68,000 of that to missionaries and local agencies like City Mission or other groups that we send money to. Uh, but we also, when something pops up, we will, we will do additional support. I just started to tally it. We sent 2000 to the denomination we're part of, the Four Seas Conference, and they, they use that money to support churches that are going through difficult times. Uh, we, we took up a collection for one of our missionaries who was facing medical bills beyond what was normal. We the VBS, they collected $1,500 plus to send to an orphanage in Madagascar. I think that's awesome. The, we do an, a baby bottle drive for Alpha Pregnancy Center, supporting moms and who are, uh, you know, pregnant, pregnant women who are due to become moms that need extra support. And I know there's other things. Sometimes it's not monetary, so there's no number amount. But here's how I, I view it. And this is yeah, I, I view, we, we, we're obligated to give at least 10%. Um, just as we ask our believers to tithe to God's work in the church, we as a church feel like we need to tithe and give away to others. I'm so glad, though, that we're, we're going well beyond 10%, right? We budget, you know, 17, 18%. I, I think if you add up all our giving, it's close to 20% of our operating budget. We are giving away to groups out there. I think that is pleasing and honoring to God. I'd love to see it continue to grow. Um, but we want to honor what God is doing. I, can I speak to this? This is kind of not even in my notes. When I, as we were singing, it reminded me, I, on the handout I asked, when were you the poorest? I remembered a time when I was actually one of those being supported. I was working for a parachurch. I had been I'd gone to a small town in Ohio to start a youth ministry there, trying to reach kids with the the message of Christ. And um, for for a time, the money ran out. And I went two months without being paid. 
And man, I was, I was happy. Like seriously, it was, I mean, one, I was single. I, I had li- little to no rent. Like I didn't have much I could get by. People dropped off groceries. Um, and I just think about like, I, I appreciated all the support that I got from, from those. And so I'm glad that we are as a church able to do that. But it's also a reminder for me is, do I need all the stuff that I have? to be happy, because I was pretty happy when I had very little, but was serving the Lord. All right, continuing on. Another reason we give as believers, we give as an act of faith, trusting that God will provide for our needs. And so Paul says, you know, my God will supply every need of yours according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. God is the owner of a, a, a cattle on a thousand hills, 10,000 hills, 10,000, whatever. God, God owns everything. He has plenty of to, to give us. Why should we worry when our Father in heaven already knows what we need? Right? And he is able to supply us. Think about what stops us from giving away to others. Is it not fear, anxiety, and worry? We feel, I got to hold on to what I have. I can't give this away because I, I might need it. Oh, I don't need it now, but I might need it. I remember a conversation with a dear, dear Christian man, and we were debating spending some money out of our endowment reserves at a church, and he's like, he came in, he talked, he's really concerned. He's like, we need to hold on to this money because we don't know. What if the roof goes? What if this goes? And he was, he was greatly worried. Now, the truth is we had a huge endowment, and it was only spending a little bit of it. But it was that, that fear and anxiety. We need to trust. Every time you give, you got to trust God will meet my needs. Right? I don't need to cling to this. I can, I can give away. I can trust God that will, he will give us when we need. Another reason Christians give. We give because though we are different congregations, we are of one, uh, we are of one church, one, one body even in different cities. So Paul ends the letter with how he typically does with greetings and um, connecting people. So Paul, he's right, Philippian, Paul is in Rome. So he says, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. Now, who, what saints were living in Philippi? Was it St. Nicholas, St. Valentine? So to realize the Catholic view of saints is saints are special people that you have those pictures of and, and you get a holiday for it. What Paul, when Paul's talking about saints, he's just talking about people who are part of the church. And the word really just means ones who are made holy through a relationship with Christ. That when we come to Christ, he makes us holy. And so though, he's just saying those in the church who, who, are, who are declared to be holy by, by Christ, greet them. And then he, he says, the, the saints here in Rome greet you as well. He says, even those in Caesar's household. And so all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar. So that means the message is, is spreading into unexpected places. The, the Caesar at the time is Nero. Now, Nero doesn't come to believe. In fact, he, he does some great damage to Christians. But there's people in the household of Nero who are now a part of this worshiping community in Rome. And he also says, the brothers who are with me greet you. So remember, Paul was under arrest. He couldn't himself 
probably attend the worship, be a part of the worship in the Rome, but the, the, the Christian brothers and sisters who were, were working with him, they also greet him. So there's all these groups connected. The point being is whether you were in whatever city you were in, it's, it's different cities, but it's the same Lord, same God and Father of all, the same faith. And, and that is part of our motivation, right? We remember it's not just about this congregation. We believe God's at work through us, but we want to see the kingdom of God advance all over the world. This is why I love participating in mission trips, where I get to, to go and, and we take groups. So last summer, a group of us went to the Czech Republic. We helped out with an outreach to, to young teens there. And that was a, it was a lot of fun. And I also just got to know some incredible believers, who young, young people who love the Lord and are doing great things in his service. My brother went with me on that trip last year. He's, he's, he's the one that's not quite as good looking in me in the picture if you could see, um, but he's almost there. Uh, but anyways, so he got so, he made some great connections, so much so that he actually went back again this summer. Not only did he go to the, the Czech Republic to help out with the camp again, he got to know a, a guy from Ukraine who was also living in Prague, who had fled there from the war, and, and so I don't know how these connections happen. Basically, my brother ended up going into Ukraine on this trip. This was just a month ago. And he went and spoke at one of the Ukrainian churches in the western part of Ukraine. And then his friend, that we, the friend that we both made, he, that guy's mother wanted to emigrate to the U.S. And so Matt brought her back with him when he flew back. And so now she is living in Canton, Ohio, and on going through the process of emigrating to the U.S. You just never know what God's going to do when you connect with brothers and sisters in Christ throughout the world. I just love that, that idea. And Paul is talking about that here. By faith, we know we're united to believers all over. It's also a reminder for me that the work of the kingdom is more important than, than just getting more stuff. That's why when I go on those trips, it's, it's a reminder of I'm a part of something bigger, right? I, I could get, like any of us, right? I can get focused on, you know, the stuff I have and wanting to get more. But man, when you get to be a part of the mission of God, it's like you, you want more of that. And I'm hoping potentially to, to, to go again next summer and, and reconnect and work with some of those, those believers as well. So this brings us to our last thing. Why do Christians give? We give because our contentment is found in Christ, not the things of this world. Let me read this part by Paul again on the screen. And Paul's writing, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am, to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. In fact, I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I know a lot of people quote that last verse in terms of excelling in sports or, you know, doing great things. 
you know, when he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, he's talking about facing hardship and, and you know, having very little on poverty. That's what he could do. I could go through whatever. Um, Paul has had situations, and if you read the, the, the letter, the book of Acts in the Bible, you can get a sense of Paul's story. He goes through a ton of things, difficulties. We, he's, he's spent times where he had enough, abundance even, but he's had other times where he's been in need, he's faced hunger, and, and, and outright poverty, not knowing where he would eat or what would happen to him. Most of us, I would suggest maybe all of us, work really hard at avoiding poverty, right? We work really hard to not be in those situations where we have very, very little, right? We, we, when we want for our kids to, to not face poverty, you know, some of us are sending our kids off to college, and it's not that we send them off to college so that they become super wealthy and rich. It's so that they learn a skill so that they are never poor, right? We take so much for granted in our, our day and age. We think that three meals a day are normal, maybe even four or five meals a day, where throughout most of history, people in general were, were, just didn't have that much. Um, we have abundance. If you transported someone from the past into our day and age, they would look at even the people in poverty and say, wow, they have a lot of stuff, right? We we take that for granted. Paul is saying he's learned a secret of how to be content in Christ regardless of how much stuff he has. What do you think that secret is? What's he talking about? What, what is the secret that Paul has learned? I'm going to take a stab at it. Here, here, here's what I'm here's thought. The secret might be this, that our hearts will never be satisfied with the things of this world. The more we have, the more we want. My heart, our heart satisfaction can only come through knowing Christ. Our hearts will never be satisfied with the things of this world. The more we have, the more we want. Have you noticed that truth for you? Maybe as parents, like on Christmas morning, when, you know, your kids open up all these gifts and you, they're sh- packaging shreds all over and toy after toy stacked, and they say, is that all there is? Right? Or, but it's just as true for us. We, we seek after something, and we finally get it. We finally get the thing we want, and we're happy for a day, maybe two, and they're like, all right, what's next? Right. Now what do I need to pursue to be happy? By next week, our hearts have set upon a new desire. Have you ever found yourself saying, if I only have blank, then I will be happy? Do you still believe it when you say it to yourself? Or have you learned, no, I'll probably still be unhappy after that. I'll just want something else. How do we really gain contentment? If every heart desire we want, as soon as we get it, it, it just, well, just leads us to want something else. Jesus is talking about this in Matthew 6. And, and I think the challenge we have is we have abundance. We have so much. 
And we have to really sink our heads around, how do we have abundance? In some ways, might it be easier to to find contentment in Christ if we didn't have as much? Jesus told one guy, hey, you, you, you want life? Sell everything you got. Come follow me. That, and the guys didn't take him up on that, right? That's one way to do it. Let's give everything away. Let's, let's just, you know, own nothing. And in Matthew 6, Jesus talks about maybe there's one other way that we could still operate within the world, still have enough and have the things we need, and yet still not, um, still not fall into the trap of being discontented in the midst of that. And so it's Matthew 6, 19 to 24. Let me, let me kind of turn to that. And so it starts with, he's saying, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is... There your heart will be also. So treasure is talking about the things that we have, the things that we rely on to make ourselves happy, to, to, that we think we need to have, we can't, that we can't do without them. And what Jesus is saying is the treasures of the world, whatever they are, whether it's, it's gold coins, whether it's fancy clothes, whether it's a house, whatever, you can't hold on to them. Right? If it's, it's the rust will, will destroy it, moths and rust will destroy or thieves will break in and steal, you can't have it. You can't hold on to them. So don't try. Right? Don't try to hold on to them. Hold them with the loose hand. And the way you do that, the, the, the discipline God gives us for, for holding on with a, a, a loose hand is the spiritual discipline of giving. Giving to God and giving to the, the mission, the work of the kingdom. And so I want you to think about what, it, what is your giving practices like? The spiritual discipline of giving is not just, it's not just, well, I came to worship, so I'll throw some money in the plate. We don't pass the plates anymore. We have a box, just so you know, it's in the back. But, um, but regardless, you know, there's that sense of, well, worship was good. I'm going to give a, I'm going to pull out a $5 bill and put that in the plate today, you know. Or maybe worship wasn't, wasn't as good as, you know, the pastor, he didn't do so great today. I'm not going to give as much. I don't, don't give as a tip. That's not spiritual, the spiritual discipline of giving. Give consistently. Decide in your heart what you're going to give ahead of time. Second thing that's not this, this spiritual discipline is giving randomly when some appeal connects with you emotionally. You ever notice there's always... The, there's, we're bombarded with opportunities to give, but every time there's a tragedy, people feel compelled emotionally. They want to respond, and that's natural. But, but we could do that and not really give well. I think about how much money was collected when 9-11 happened, and they collected billions of dollars. Did that really, how was that money, it was just kind of given out to make people millionaires? Did it really accomplish much? Don't give emotionally. Give with intent. And specifically, as Christians, we're called to give to the work of the kingdom. And third thing is don't just give out of duty. Don't just give as an obligation. Now, I do believe we're obligated to give. And, and the, the, the obligation that the scriptures talk about is called the tithe. Tithe is 10% of your income. 
And I do believe God calls his people to give a tithe, to give it to the work of the Lord, to give it to the church, um, and to enable God to do that. And the reason we're obligated is God does not want money to have a hold on us. And so what I'm talking about is a spiritual discipline of tithing. But don't just do it out of duty, out of obligation. The call to tithe is to call to deal with the heart and to give joyfully. To not just, oh, it hurts so much to write this check this month. No. Lord, I am glad you've given me so much that I'm able to give back this much to the church or give this much to the work that you're doing. I'm excited to give. Give joyfully, give cheerfully. Take on the spiritual discipline of giving. It says, and there, here's the thing, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, right? When you're giving like that, where is your heart? It's not in your pocketbook. Your heart is at the things of Christ, at the things of God. All right, so that's, that's, that's one thing I get out of this. The second one, is, is this is a little bit more mysterious, but Jesus goes on to say, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye, this is all Matthew 6. It's on the back of your handout if you want to see the scripture. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. What's, what's he talking about? He's talking about what you're focused on, what's your intent on getting. Have you ever just like flipped through a magazine? And for young people, magazines were these picture books that they would send you. But have you ever flipped through them and said, ooh, I want that, and I want that? Ooh, I'd really love to have that, right? We set our eyes on things that we want. Nowadays, we just scroll through, ooh, I want that, I want that. Jesus is saying, what are you setting your eyes on? Your eye is the lamp of the body. In other words, if you set your eyes on it, it's going to lead you. It's going to point you in that direction, It says, if your eyes are set on getting more and more of what you already have enough of, then um, it's going to lead you into bad places. It's going to lead you into darkness, not light and not joy. So the discipline here is practice self-denial. Ask yourself, do I really need it? And say no to yourself. That's hard. I don't do this well. I'm preaching not to you today. I'm preaching to myself, right? Because I, it, ooh, I'd really like to have that. We, we need to learn the practice of saying no and asking, do I really need this? Consider that. So the third spiritual discipline. So if the first is the spiritual discipline of giving or tithing. The second is the spiritual discipline of practicing self-denial. You know, saying no to yourself, at least sometimes, Um, The third is simply this, consistent corporate worship, right? Offer yourself. What do we do when we we come and worship? We offer ourselves back to God. We we stop accumulating money, stop working for for a time, and we come to God, and instead we're focusing on focusing on him, praising him, honoring him. We are arguing with our heart. And so... What we do in worship is we offer ourself and all we have in worship to, your, to, your, to, your, to our Lord. In a sense, we're saying to our own, own heart, we're, say, we're saying it um, to our own heart, Jesus is enough. 
Jesus is my Lord. Because our own heart will betray us. Our own heart will want to try to accumulate more and more of what we already have enough of. So what we do in worship is we have to reset our heart. And it's hard to do it alone. This is why I'm talking about corporate worship. We come together and publicly we are declaring Jesus is worthy of everything I have. We say that not because God is insecure and he needs to be praised. We say it because our own heart needs to be reminded of it constantly. We, we're, and we, by publicly declaring it, we're committing ourselves to it over and over again. So I want to close with one specific song. This is the one that came to mind when thinking about all, all the stuff. And it, it's, it's simply this. Um, I will worship with all my heart. I will give you all my praise. We are going to come to God and offer to God everything we have, all that, all that, all that we are, and honor him as a way of reminding that he is enough and that we find our contentment not in the stuff of this world. We find our true contentment 